0: Hello and welcome to Hopeful World, the social projects podcast. I'm Charlie Wright, founder of Hopeful Traders. This series looks at inspiring projects with a social mission at their heart. This week we speak to Brian Baderman. He is the man behind the Emma magazine. Emma magazine is a collaboration with residents at a North London hostel, Arlington House. And and, um, so, just for a start off, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background? on you and your work and how you became involved with uh, Arlington House.
1: Okay, Um, well, my background is in fine art. I was at the Royal College of Art, and uh, while I was there, I won a scholarship to Italy. I didn't know how to make ends meet. I couldn't teach English. I tried. I couldn't teach English to Italians or to anyone else. A series of coincidences led me to work for a very small clothing company called Diesel, which is now not so small. And I, because they were a small company that were starting out, they didn't really have any kind of heritage to protect or a clear kind of corporate language. So I started doing a catalogue for them, which was um, even to this day, I suppose, one of the madder catalogues that you will see if you can get hold of them. I think that introduced me to the power of print which I think is still an exceptionally persuasive medium even in, in this day and age where everything is supposedly digital. So working at Arlington started because I have a studio here where I paint. As some of you may know Arlington is a hostel and has been a hostel since 1905 when it was built. It's possibly one of the biggest hostels in in the country, it was certainly the biggest hostel in Europe when it was opened in 1905 and housed 1,100 men. It's been refurbished since then, and I think it was the the wisdom of those refurbishing it. I think they modelled it on a on a New York hostel where they wanted to introduce other activities to kind of, as it were, help normalise people's lives, people's lives that had been wrecked by putting them um, side by side with artists and other sorts of artisans. So while I was here, being here, I've started meeting people and speaking to people. And I thought, these people are interesting. These people have got stories to tell, but they haven't got a place to tell them. So um, I went to the management of the place and I said, well, how about letting me start a magazine and let's see if it works out. And to my surprise, it's a year later, it's still working out.
0: That's, yeah, it's interesting that you talk about giving a platform because that was one of the questions I wanted to kind ask you a little bit more about. It's you know, something for me personally. Yeah. I've had the same thing where you do see these people with some with not only just the talents, but the stories themselves need to be told. And how important is that like, for those people on a personal level when it comes to being given that platform, especially considering how difficult, especially a place like London,
1: it is to, to get a voice heard? Sure. I mean, I think you've touched on a, on a number of issues there. First of all, I think we're all acutely aware, those of us that live in big cities, is that the more people there are, the less people there are to speak to. And that's certainly the case of London. With, with London. I'm sure it's true of many large cities as well. And we're talking about a segment of the population that is perhaps even more acutely isolated than the rest of us. You talked about, understandably, about giving them a platform. Yes, it is a platform, but it's more than that. Because not only is it an opportunity for people to share their stories and their pictures, their illustrations and whatever, it is itself a catalyst for those stories to be told. Because I think you could possibly argue that many of us have stories to tell, not simply because of our lived experiences, but we, because we have people to tell them too. It's the relationship that is key to all communication. So to that extent, the f- this magazine, as modest as it is, is a catalyst it, and it, it doesn't only enable people's stories to be, as it were, broadcast, it, it actually inspires the stories to be told in the first place. And a lot of people who are engaged in the with the magazine uh, have been very kind of sceptical about their own ability to write and to communicate. And again it's it, the, the magazine itself has provided a, a wonderful opportunity for people to sit down with one another talk through their experiences and turn those experiences into pictures or into prose or into poetry so it's it, you know it has a it has a valuable role and a a complex role it's not simply ah they've got these stories under their bed now they've got a place to put them it's more complicated than that
0: yeah of course and you you touched on there because the impression I get is especially with art is almost like a kind of therapy it's not just the case that there's an end product that people get to see and that the people involved get to like know is getting put in front of people but also you talked about the actual experience of getting together with other people and creating something together like I know some of the artists we work with talk about the the kind of therapy in that and like Mm -hmm. is that a kind of reaction you see when when you work with these people
1: I'm I'm not a therapist so in a sense it's not entirely appropriate for me to classify this as therapy is there a therapeutic dimension to what we do with Emma I think there probably is. If if therapeutic means helping people to feel better about themselves, then, you know, I think this is one possible contribution to that. I think the fact that um, there is a place to come and speak about experiences, there is a place to explore experiences in words and pictures, and there is an opportunity for those words and pictures to be shared with people out in the world, as it were, is is of, of great value to people, to all people, not just people who have been homeless, but perhaps particularly for people who are homeless. Yeah, of
0: course. I mean, yeah. So maybe therapy, maybe it's like a little bit too narrow defining a yeah, word. I mean, yeah. the fact is, I think, especially with homelessness and other issues as such, people are always looking to some sort of end result. But I mean, just anything that someone can do and how, like makes their day enjoyable and stimulating, I guess, is like good for anyone. Whether you're going through issues, that's not to do I, with just people from all well, in the house, that's people generally, I suppose.
1: I agree with you. Um, but I think, obviously, if people are in a bad place, and unfortunately, there are many people who are in bad places, and the homeless are, are certainly no exception to that, anything that will help people feel better about themselves, help them feel as though they've accomplished something, help them feel as though they count too, they have a voice, they have some visibility. They exist not just in their own eyes, but in other people's eyes. That is, that is fundamental to, to, to improving people's existence.
0: Just going to take a break there to remind you somewhat self-indulgently about the Kickstarter coming for 28th of July. That's a hopeful traders campaign to launch our new collection and to fund future projects. You can go to our website and find out more about that. We've had a great film made. You can check that out at hopefultraders.com as well as signing up to our notebook emails. The notebook emails are weekly highlights of inspiring and creative projects. Uh, That's hopefultraders.com. Please check it out. One, okay, so we talked about that's kind of touching on one side of the coin, which is the people who are creating the magazine stuff. Yeah. What about the people? What benefit is it to the wider public to maybe read these stories and know about these people and know about their creative output?
1: Um, I think it's important because um, it gives people an opportunity not only to have some sort of insight into the way this particular segment lives it also to some extent destigmatizes a position in society that a lot of people would rather avoid or keep at arm's length people who are homeless are also people they're not just homeless they're not just obstacles in the street that you have to step over they are people just like us and the the separation between us and others is so slight as to be inexistent and i think you know to give people an opportunity to speak for themselves gives other people an opportunity to see them as people and not as a phenomenon or a or a social disaster, and I think that's important for other people.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had so many discussions just about the word homeless in itself yeah. because it becomes
1: such a marginalisation and it's a category. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you put any you put any group of people or any experience you can into a drawer you can categorize it then you don't have to think about it anymore that's what it is that's all i need to know about it whereas hopefully a magazine and i'm sure there are other initiatives that can do this equally well if not better but a magazine in this instance repersonalizes people that are normally considered to just form part of a category and i think um I think that's, if you're going to use the word therapeutic, that's therapeutic for for those of us who are not homeless as well because we need to realise that there's nothing significant that separates us from them, except maybe a few more opportunities that we had Mm -hmm. that they didn't have and maybe slightly better parenting. Mm -hmm.
0: And... um Talking of like that whole defining someone, putting them into a box and then being like, well, that's sorted. That seems to be definitely an issue when it comes to kind of legislation. I mean, recently we've had the Homelessness Reduction Act and, you know, there's some good stuff in there. There's some stuff which is probably still maybe leaving some people out. But where do you kind of see, talking of like legislation and things like that, do you see... Obviously, homelessness is a growing issue in a place like London. Do you see change coming from small creative projects like this to push the legislation to change, or does it really have to be something bigger to make those big changes?
1: I think, and I'm you know I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here because I'm not I'm not enormously informed when it comes to legislation regarding homelessness, yeah, sure. and I don't have any any. Uh, panacea Mm -hmm. for the problem. The one thing that I can say from what I've seen is that to describe the problem as purely the result of the price of housing in London is actually to misunderstand the problem. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's horribly expensive to live in London, and if you're at the bottom of the wage scale, it's a struggle if not downright impossible. But the actual factor that pushes someone over the line into homelessness those sorry the factors that push someone are complex they're not purely economic
0: yeah I'm I'm sort of glad actually you answered it that way because it's easy to kind of sit there and make comments about what the government is and isn't doing in homelessness but at the end of the day like the same as me I'm not I'm not an authority on homelessness at all. And and I think one of the troubles is that I don't think anyone really is such a wide, varying issue that I don't think really anyone is.
1: I think that's the only thing that you can confidently say. Also, I would add that because because it's almost characteristic that many homeless people don't even have a voice that they're not listened to by politicians either. They're not an important part of the, uh, their constituency. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so yeah. who are they? By, by doing, th- you, know, you know, it's almost tantamount to, well, we'll clean up the city a bit. Yeah. Because there's human refuse lying on the streets and people feel uncomfortable about it. Mm. And at Christmas time, everybody gets a bit kind of weepy about it. But for, for the most part, it's, um, it's seen not much more than a kind of an inconvenience uh, yeah. than, 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 than a deeply human problem. No, yeah,
0: no. That's I feel that's very true. It it becomes almost like just the the same way it becomes a part of a policy, like yeah, dealing with like waste in a way. You know, it's not doesn't seem to be addressing people anymore. Um, Just change tangent a little bit, like um, in terms of so we talked about like telling stories and how what it means to kind of people on both sides of the magazine creation and people reading it, etc. What about like on a personal level? Do you find the way Do you find your work at Arlington has kind of changed the way that you kind of work on projects? Has it changed your voice and story in any way?
1: Um, It's an interesting question. It's it's a good question. And I think, undeniably, it has had an effect on me on on a number of different levels. First of all, whenever I work with people who are able to externalise difficult experiences it resonates with me because it it reminds me how difficult it is for me to externalize my own difficult experiences and we all have experiences that, that, that that have distressed us um it also um it's also affected me insofar as i too as you mentioned earlier i too had no intimate knowledge of people who had experienced homelessness and severe mental problems, um, which may, in some cases, lead to homelessness as well. So it's, it's been informative. I also am. Um, um, someone else was pointing out the other day this in the studio where the work for Emma, some of the work for Emma is, is is done, and that is that because many of the people that contribute to Emma have not had the good fortune or misfortune to go to art school or to go to college when they have something to say they say it in a way that is so direct and spontaneous um, and that's that's a lesson to people like myself who to some extent have been ruined by being overeducated yeah i remember who said it i, I hate ever quoting people without attributing it to them there's a um, a graphic design couple that I know who are very much on the on the edge, of, on the creative edge called Mike and Rebecca and they pointed, uh, pointed this out to me and I, I, I completely subscribe to that point of view.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad actually um, you kind of moved towards that whole thing about how not having a conventional education can actually give maybe like a completely different and potentially more interesting point of view and to what extent do you see kind of uh The experiences of people at Arlington House reflected in their work is it quite like an obvious manifestation in the kind of their creative output
1: okay that 's um again a very um interesting question the The difficulty in answering it is it 's a general question, and obviously everybody's going to be different. I think the fact that they are largely sort of self taught or untutored when it comes to writing or illustration painting. Gives their work a kind of a certain kind of freshness that, to some extent, we we in the business I suppose associate with outsider art. To that extent, you know that's quite often uniform. But I also see um, as for many of them, you know, art and expressing themselves through writing as well is a new departure. And some of the people that I've worked with have gotten enormously excited about the potential of working in a medium that they have no experience of. And it's very rare for us as adults, once we're 20, 25, 30, to discover something we've never done before, through which we can genuinely thrive. There is, for instance, one person down there who's been writing on and off for quite a long time, writes beautiful poetry, and this person only recently discovered painting. And they wanted to be down there all the time. Unfortunately, the, the the studio is not open all the time, but every moment they can be down there, they are painting. To see someone who has discovered that painting can release such joy and spontaneity, an adult that is, not a child, is a is very, very emotional thing to see.
0: Yeah, wow, great answer. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for talking to me about Emma. I think it's an amazing project and uh, I look forward to the continuation of Emma and seeing it out there. Where can people see Emma or any of the product out of it?
1: Um, that's, um, again, you have full a good question. That's another good question. Um, Emma was printed very kindly by a printer called Park Communications for nothing, the last three issues. That's issues eight, nine and ten. And there was a very limited print run. At the moment, it's available at a store in Clerkenwell, trendy magazine store, a great magazine store called Mag Culture. You have to look that up to see where it is. I can't remember where it is. St John Street, I think. Um, it's also available in the in Waterstones in Camden Town. Um, at the moment, those are the only two places. Hopefully, in a couple of months, in July, we'll be printing several more issues, providing the, the printer is... Um, continues to be well disposed towards us and at that point i want to print more and find different places or find additional places to put them so if anybody's got any ideas or anybody wants copies or could suggest where to put them i'm more than happy to hear from you
0: and anyone interested more who has their own questions feel free to forward to me at charlie at hopefultraders.com and we can put you in touch with brian if maybe you want to talk about publications and stuff londoners i urge you to seek it out Thank you so much, Brian. It's been great
1: chatting to you. Thank, you.
0: Thank you so much to Brian for coming and chatting with me. It's always interesting to speak to someone else who's working with homeless arts and doing so much for it. Um, really looking forward to future issues of Emma magazine. If you live in London, keep an eye out for those. This episode was produced by Lower Street and music by Wavoka Gentle.